In the name of Jesus. This past week, I spent a fair amount of time looking at pictures and reminiscing. You ever done that before? You find yourself thinking about things that you haven't thought about for years, decades, maybe longer. This week, in the midst of all that, I remembered specifically like it was yesterday the sights and the smells and all that occurred when I was in fifth grade. Fifth grade was transitional for me and for the rest of the family. It was the year that we had had just moved. We moved from the farm with our goats and chickens and acres of wood and little boys could run naked with guns in their hand. No, we didn't really do that. You could do all that stuff, and we moved to the city, to the suburbs. And I became a latchkey kid. My parents worked eight to five, seven to six jobs, if you know what I mean. And instead of going to the rural Lutheran school, I went to a local public school. The name of the school, Laura Ingalls Wilder Elementary School. No, seriously. And that probably makes you think of pastures and and flowers. And maybe some of you ladies might make you think of manly. But Laura Ingalls Wilder Elementary School was all but that for me. You see, as soon as I arrived the very first week, there was this other boy. Let's just call him Brian, shall we? Brian, not a really big kid, but you don't have to be a big kid to be a bully, do you? I don't know why Brian didn't like me, but Brian did everything he could to get under my skin, to agitate me, to make me look bad in front of all my new friends and teachers, and oh, I just wanted to take Brian out to the playground and give him what's what. Got any Brian's in your life? Now, I had been raised, I like to think, and if you've met my family, you'll probably agree with me pretty well. Raised with God's Word upon not just my heart, but my mind, tied to my arm, pastors and parents who catechized me, taught me the Ten Commandments, and, and I knew that I really couldn't take Brian and go do that. But how far could I go? Well, that's the question for the Bryans in your life, is it not? Just how far can I go, God? Where's the line in the sand? Well, I really couldn't talk to my parents about this, or at least I didn't think so. But I did know of one man who I'd come to respect and trust. It was our pastor at the time, Reverend Vincent Will. Little short guy, not real tall, but he had, I don't know what degree, black belt in judo. He was a commando in World War II before he became a pastor. He was the kind of guy that you'd tell stories and you'd just sit there and listen. Wow. By the way, Pastor Will, when he was in an army transport plane, flew over the Himalayas and There on the top of a mountain, they saw what appeared to be a boat. 
If you've ever studied any of the stuff of Noah's Ark and you, you go back and some of the footage is still on YouTube, Pastor Will was one of the people who gave his testimony that he thought that this structure there on the top of the mountain actually was Noah's Ark. Which if he's right, when I take my kids later this week to go visit the replica of the Ark, I'm not going to be able to get away with telling them that's the actual Ark. But that's a whole other story. The 10-year-old actually believed it for a week. So I sat down with Pastor Will, and he could tell that I was, I was fishing for something. He asked lots of open-ended questions, which you probably don't like when you come talk to us as pastors, but we'll work on listening first before we speak. And he could tell that I was trying to weasel my way out of something I wanted to know. At what point is revenge okay? At what point is it, is it okay to give someone what they really deserve? What's this whole self-defense thing about? How far can we push that envelope? And he took me to a few passages of Scripture. Two of them we have today in our text. Romans 12, bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And, and if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Jesus, in Luke 6 also echoed and recorded by the evangelist Matthew, says this, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Not words that the old Adam in you or in me wants to hear. The old sinner in you and me wants to take the situation into our own hands to choke it out of existence or beat it and give it what it deserves whether that's actually a person named Brian or something else you're stu struggling with right now. Jesus goes on in Luke 6 to give some more words that the old Adam needs to hear and words, I would also say, of exhortation that the new Adam now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can follow. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. If you fail to read the rest of Scripture and have these things put together, if, if you haven't failed to happen to have a Philip in your life who will pull up alongside the chariot and explain these things, you might think at first glance that Jesus is telling you how you're going to earn blessings and gifts in this life. Just do this, some Christians say. Judge not lest you be judged. Is Jesus talking out of two sides of his mouth here? As he teaches us who battle, who have a civil war raging within us, of the old Adam that, that wants to do all these things to the Brians of our life, and the new Adam who wants to please God and be at peace with others? It is completely true and accurate that the Lord gives to us actual judges. 
those in authority. We pray for them every week in the prayer of the church. All the different levels of our government, those who would make decisions, decide guilt or innocence, and pass down judgment for those that have broken the law. But what about forgiveness? How does that work? Can I forgive someone else? You betcha. But there is only one forgiveness. You see, if you fall into the trap of thinking like that old Adam dealing with the Brian, that that you can handle that, that you can forgive and that you can do that, then, well, you'll never get there. You'll never get there. Not on your own. Because for a Christian, there is only one forgiveness that matters, and it has to do with a complete and total trust, which only the Holy Spirit can give and does give, that you can make sense of it all. And for that, we go to our Old Testament text there in Genesis, where we hear a little bit more about Joseph and his technicolor dream coat. Joseph, you might remember, who, according to his brothers, would have been that guy. His brothers couldn't stand him, jealous of him, dad who loved him and gave him things that they didn't get. Joseph, who received this great blessing, so what did the brothers do? Well, they did what sinful Adams do. They take the Brian out to the playground and have their way with him. In Joseph's case, he's thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. His brothers take his beautiful coat, put blood on it, and with fake tears and crying, show it to their dad. Look what happened to our brother. But see, the problem with sin is at some point, you have to deal with it. It doesn't go away. You can deal with the Bryans on your own terms, but it'll catch up to you. And not only that, the Lord knows. And so it does for Joseph's brothers. Short story, a famine has come across the land. The only place that there's food is... Guess where? Egypt, where Joseph now is at the right hand of Pharaoh. Pay attention to the connections and the prophecy, the foretelling, you might say. But they, when they find out that this is Joseph, they are quaking in their boots. They're worried about getting taken out to the playground, and you know what I mean? And so they say, Joseph, please. Forgive us. Forgive our sin. Forgive the evil that we did to you. And how does Joseph deal with them? He weeps. He cries. You might say he cries because he's remembering all the pain and torture and what his brothers put him through, but I would submit to you it's way more and much better than that. He cries because now here is the opportunity to reconcile the situation. Now here is the opportunity to give the one thing that is truly needful. Forgiveness. Peace. 
with his brothers. And the only way Joseph can do that is because he has peace with God. Which is exactly what you've been given to deal with the Bryans in your life. Peace of your Father in heaven who in your baptism says, you're mine. You're part of my family and come hell or high water and the Bryans of your life, I'm going to be there for you and I'm going to get you through that. And not only that, look at my son. Look at what I have given for you. Jesus goes on in this text to talk about the log and the speck and the eye. The early fathers dating back to the Septuagint, they actually translated them as as beams, like a beam in a building. Because the problem with beams, it requires other beams to support it. And the problem with your old Adam and mine, the problem with a sinner, is everything is connected. It's just one big mess. But when it comes to the splinter, oh, you might say a speck. A splinter? What's the difference? When it came to the speck in the eye, Luther and the early fathers translated it, ein splitter, splinter, beams and splinters, what does this have to do? Well, it's really pretty simple. It has to do with Jesus. One forgiveness earned by Him for you. And now by the power of the Holy Spirit, Knowledge of the law. The Lord comes and provides the ability to forgive. So when you start to think that that dealing with a brine and forgiving brine is not within yourself, you've made the first step. Because it's not. You can't. But when you as a Christian do what Joseph's brothers did, bow down and humble themselves and say, first Lord before you, I don't deserve any of this. I deserve condemnation. I deserve to be taken out to the playground. I deserve what Brian's got coming to him. And the Lord looks on you and says, Hey, you're covered with the blood of my son. My son who hung there upon two beams nailed together. My son who endured the splinters poking into his back as he as he hung and bled and died for you. My son who couldn't even wipe the specks out of his eye as he's dying. You're forgiven. You're set free. And now there's a new way. A new way to live. I'd like to tell you that I dealt with Brian in the best possible way. I'd like to tell you that I listened to my pastor and and I went and I just put up with it that whole year. But I can't tell you that. I was a poor, miserable little sinner. And I'm not going to tell you the outcome of the fight that happened on the playground either. What I will tell you is that if you do that, you will get in-school suspension, your parents will get called, and you will feel horrible. And that even if you win such a fight, you won't feel better about it. May the Lord, who has rescued you and me and set us free for good works, may we find a peace that is beyond anything of this life. 
Even with Brian, I have to tell you, I apologized to him. And he forgave me. And then he apologized for being a bully. And I forgave him. This doesn't happen all the time. And it's not that we were the best of friends after that. But I got to tell you how good it is when brothers dwell together in peace and unity. And so we work for that. So yes, if you see your brother or sister caught in sin, go talk with them, as Jesus says, deal with it. But don't do it for the reason of of heaping coals upon their head or getting revenge. Do it out of concern, compassion, empathy, and love. That's how Paul writes in Galatians 1 that the spiritual person is to judge all things. And so to you and to me have been given a wonderful gift. Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. That we may serve, that we may forgive. God grant us this for the sake of Jesus.